afternoon. Welcome to the Major League Fantasy Sports Radio Show brought to you by MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. I am Andrea Lamont, your guest host this week. Uh, you can find me at Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports.com. You can find me, Andrea Soxfan, on Facebook. We have a fantasy baseball group over there, Lenny Melnick Fantasy Baseball. If you have any questions or you want to talk about trades, go ahead and post up in there. There's a lot of active people uh, involved in that whole thing. We have like 700 people already. It's really crazy how there must be a lack of fantasy baseball groups on Facebook. But anyways, with that being said, I'd like to introduce the co-host today. It's Kyle Amore. Of course, Kyle is a writer at Major League Fantasy Sports and his articles publish every Tuesday morning. What's up, Kyle? What are you writing this week? Not a whole lot. Just got done watching the Cubs get absolutely shellacked by the Pirates. Other than that, I'm not doing too, too bad. Still an interesting fantasy year. I feel like I don't think I've ever spot started so many starters in my entire life, at least four a week, and it's just been absolutely horrendous for pitching. It's been pretty crazy. Are you not writing an article this week because it's the break? Um, I am, I am, break? I am, I am. I'll be, I'll be breaking down a hitter uh, this week. Uh, last week I did uh, top five uh, waiver-wired all-star players, if you will, just players that weren't drafted high, maybe at the most 20% of leagues and. You know, they've had a hell of a season, all five players, and they've easily helped uh, owners get to the head of their uh, leagues early on in the season. But uh, this Tuesday I'll have an article coming out on the hitter. I haven't decided which hitter yet. I have, like, five to choose from, but it'll definitely be breaking down the hitter this week. Nice. Yeah, that's a fun thing to do to um, just analyze players that have just been such a huge surprise that are actually helping uh, teams win because every year, definitely, I mean, without a doubt, there's those players. So um, before we get started, I wanted to give it oh, wait. We have a, a guest today, Kyle, and his name is Kyle. Kyle number one and Kyle number two. How are you, Kyle number two? I'm doing well. Thank you uh, so much for having me on today. Of course. So I know that you're, um, you participate and win these fantasy baseball leagues over at Major League Fantasy Sports. And I also know by spying a little bit on you that you just had a baby and you're a huge Indians fan. What else do you want to tell anybody that's listening about you? Um, you know, that, that pretty much sums up my life right now, having a baby and, um, <laughs> just and being a an Indians fan. And being an Indians fan, which, you know, it's been an okay season, but we're kind of kind of having that uh, World Series hangover like the Cubbies are this year, but we're we're hanging on so far. Yeah, I got to say, you, you're in better situation than our friend, our, our Kyle number one, who is uh, watching the Cubbies get pounded right now. So uh, before we get started, I do want to give a shout out to our friends and partners in the industry, the FSWA Hall of Famer, legend Lenny Melnick. I don't call him a legend because I live with him and he's not really a legend in my world. But to the, the rest of the people, I suppose, he loves being called legend. So that's what he is, Lenny Melnick, FantasySports.com. He's also the co-host with Craig Mish on Sirius every Sunday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. Also, we have the FSTA Hall of Famer Ron Chandler at ronchandler.com. And Brian Lurs, our dynasty partner and owner of realdealdynasty.com. Uh, lastly, MajorLeagueFantasySports.com is completely funded by its listeners, league owners, and readers through donations to our Patreon account. You can donate as little as a dollar per month to help our self-funded growth by clicking on the Patreon link on the top right side of the MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. 
thanks to everybody that's contributing, and let's get started. So we we had the futures game today, and we're going to talk a little bit about some prospects that are going to get called up. This will probably be like the last real big push for prospects until we see the September call-ups, but uh, for the home run derby and the all-star game, you know, it used to be that the all-star game decided who got home field advantage uh, during the World Series, but now they decided not to do that anymore, which makes a lot of sense to me because if the fans are going to vote for, you know, if it's a fan thing, then it shouldn't really count in real baseball. But the home run derby, I'm a little bit perplexed by. It just seems like every year there's one or two, but guys that haven't hit maybe that many home runs this particular season, but they have in the past or whatnot. This year, uh, the person that perplexes me the most is Gary Sanchez, of course. I don't really know how they come up with who they're going to put in to the home run derby as participants, but there's 76 hitters in Major League Baseball with more home runs than Gary Sanchez. So in my world, it's like the guys that are hitting the most home runs should be invited to participate in this game. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same people that are in the all-star game. In fact, there's, you know, every year there's players that aren't in the all-star game hitting in the home run derby. So I'll start with you, Kyle, number one. I'm less. I, I feel less annoyed that it's two Yankees there because obviously Aaron Judge has 30 homers. He leads all of baseball. He deserves to be there. But adding Gary Sanchez, what do you think of that? Do you think that maybe you know one of your guys from your list this last week should have been on this list? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I'm assuming they sent a, 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 something out around baseball to see who'd be interested in getting in the home run derby. Of course, guys like Bryce Harper, they you know they got to keep their ego intact. And he he was in it what a few times in the past, and he said no way this year that he hates it. Personally, if I was one of the top power hitters, I definitely want to get in and, and win the award. But I'm assuming there was many players that turned the offer down, and they you know went through the list, and Gary Sanchez came up. Would I have chosen him? Absolutely not. I, I don't think I, I'd want to see him in there, and you know. There was other names I would like to have seen, but, I mean, I don't get to make the decisions, and it is what it is. Should Sanchez be there? Probably not. There's other guys that could easily have been in it. Do you think that it should be – it's not – you know, this is nothing personal against Sanchez. It's just do you think that the participants should have hit like in the top tier of home runs for the season. So I just know, for instance, that just two examples like Logan Morrison and Justin Smoke, neither were invited. I've had feedback of people telling me that it's really more about who wants to see Logan Morrison when they could see Gary Sanchez, right? So I guess – Yeah, but what, what kind of – I mean, at the same time, that would have been a great story of a guy like Justin Smoke or Logan Morrison got into the, the contest and won it. I, I think that would be something else. I mean, you remember a few years back when – uh um, what's his face? When uh, why am I forgetting his name? From the Rangers, uh, Josh Hamilton. When he put on that show out in Yankee Stadium, I mean that was something else. Well, when you get a guy that's more of a, a dark horse like that, like Marty uh, Morrison or uh, Smoke, I think that would definitely get more people turning in to watch it. So I mean, it is what it is. But uh, I think if they want to keep it interesting, take the guys. How, how many guys in it? A total of what? Sixteen. Wait. I can't uh, it looks the like now. there's eight. Eight. Well, eight. take the top yeah. eight home run hitters, give them the invite. If they want to go in, not if any of them decline, then go to the next guy. But, you know, I, I think – do you remember the old shows, Black and White, way back when? I remember watching yes. that ESPN Classic. But the home run derby, and they take, what, the home run leader from each division each week, and they go up against each other 
you know, have a home run derby. I mean, yeah, it'd probably be hard to do nowadays, but I mean, do it like that. Go with the leaders. Go maybe make it really interesting. Go with the top top five in each division and, and go with that. You know, uh, I I totally know what you're talking about. The black and white home run derby. We have those. Uh, we have like the first ten episodes up at the website, LennyMelnickFantasySports.com. This isn't really trying to plug the website. I'm just saying it's very interesting. It's super cool to watch because these guys are just back then. They were so humble and they were just. I don't know, just really thankful that they were had the opportunity to be there. And it just seems now that, like, if you're too cool for school, like Bryce Harper doesn't want to be in it. Uh, other, t- other players that I can't think of right off the bat don't want to be in it. They made it very clear Mike Trout doesn't want to be in it, even though he was if – he, if he was healthy, he still wouldn't want to be in it. I don't know. It just seems like if you – if you chose the top home run hitters, I think it would be better for baseball. I would much rather see the guy like Logan Morrison or Justin Smoke who've worked their way up to hitting as well as they are this season. It's not like they came and they're getting lucky. These guys have been working really hard for the last, you know, seven or eight years to be where they're at this year, and I think they deserve some credit for that. Uh, Kyle, number two, how do you feel? Um, you know, definitely I agree with you all. Gary Sanchez shouldn't be there. Um, I think Major League Baseball is looking at this kind of like the NBA does. I mean, they're they're going for names here. Um, I, I think they're trying to to grab the attention. Uh, the new format with the home run derby has been awesome. Um, I think that the the addition of of Aaron Judge. I mean, this is going to be an unreal uh, home run derby, probably the most hyped that we've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you guys are right. Uh, it should be the top home run hitters, end of story. But to me, this was the sexy pick in terms of Sanchez. It was a name pick for the Major League Baseball. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at Morrison should have probably been in there. Um, there's a couple other names that absolutely I, – I, I really wish that Bryce Harper and Mike Trout would, would actually – if they would have done a home run derby, this year would have been the one to do it because – uh, the amount of hype that's in right now with the home runs being hit with Aaron Judge, uh, having all your big names in the home run derby would have been the best case scenario, and it's just a little disappointing that they kind of those two at least for me backed out. Yeah, that's that is disappointing, but key, players have been doing it forever. I mean, it's. I wonder, I mean, if there's any truth to the fact that they're you know they want to save their energy, they're you know the top stars of their teams, the last thing their teams want, nobody, I mean, but they still have their own choice. The teams can't decide whether or not they play in the World Baseball Classic or they play in the All-Star or the Home Run Derby. They they decide on their own, but it, it seems like every year there's a couple that are like, seem like they're too good, while on the other side of that, there's several that don't get invited. Like, I would have loved to see Chris Davis, because he's just a monster when it comes to power, and... That's that. I would have loved to see him. Even Eric Thames would have been great. He would have been, you know, he would have been a good one to see. But okay, so I'm happy with what we have. We have Stanton, Judge, Bellinger, Mustaka, Sano, Blackman, and Bauer, and Sanchez. Which, you guys each pick one of these guys and tell me. I mean, okay, it's probably Judge, right? Kyle won. I was thinking all, like, all. Excuse me, let me try that again all week, who I, who I figured would win it. And I'm happy with Aaron Judge. I have a feeling he's going to end up uh, taking Cody Bellinger in the final round. Okay. And you, Kyle, too? Uh, I think um, we're going to see Stanton come through, and, and he's going to pull out the victory here. I think Aaron Judge has got a lot of hype, but maybe 
um, just a little bit too much hype, and he might have a little bit of jitters for this. I still think he's going to do it. He's going to put on a performance for sure. But I, I think uh, I think Stan might take the crown again. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I'm probably going to have to. I'm going to take Miguel Sano just for fun. I always take the underdog, you know. I like it. He's only got 21 home runs on the season, but he still has massive power. And it is exciting to see these youngsters up in here. So the fantasy, okay, the trade deadline's coming up in Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about a couple of potential trades a little later in the show and, like, what the fantasy impact could be if these particular uh, people get traded. But for now, I want to talk about the fantasy trade deadline. It's at that point in the season where – a lot of people are just, you know, maybe you're in fifth or sixth place and it's time to make like that one last big push towards doing something that's going to help you um, gain points. So whether it's like looking for a certain category or that's most likely what you're going to be doing, but you're looking for a trade maybe because just like in real baseball, fantasy baseball has a trade deadline. It changes in every league. So be, be sure you pay attention to when it is, but there's a couple players on the list I wanted to talk about uh, that we're going to play a game. Okay. Kyle's it's going to be, you're going to say whether you would trade for this player, trade away this player or don't trade this player at all. Ready? I think oh yeah, ready. absolutely. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> we're going to start with Miguel Cabrera. Um, so earlier this season, Miguel Cabrera hit the DL. He had hip tightness. Uh, he's getting a little old. He's 34 years old in baseball years. You know, we're talking about some age uh, regression coming up here soon. The guy's got 90, almost 9,500 plate appearances over uh, almost 12 seasons in the majors. Uh, he still has 11 home runs on the season, but the other night he came out of the game, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, he came out with the same hip tightness that he went on the DL with earlier in the season. So as an owner, you're probably a little concerned about that. As, But his name could be worth some value in on the trade market. He's hit more than 30 home runs nine of the past 11 seasons, and so I would venture to say that he could do it again as long as he stays healthy. Kyle One, what do you – do you uh, trade for, trade away, or don't trade at all, Miguel Cabrera? I'm going to say there's two parts. If if it's a redraft league and I have him, I'm moving him. I'm not trading for him, I can tell you that. But if it's a dynasty league, I'm going to try to get him for, for cheap because I have a feeling entering next year, once that hip is healthy and it's not lingering and, and, and nagging him like it has all season, then it would definitely be a, a great addition. But uh, this year, I'm staying away from him. So you're trading him away in a redraft league and trading for him in a dynasty league? Yes, yes. Okay, Kyle, too. Um, well, you know what? I, I think I think Mickey's going to have a, a breakout second half. I, I think he's, like you said, he's getting older. He's battled through some injuries this last couple of years, but – you know, he he's just had a down year. I think he he's gonna I think he's gonna have a second half to remember here. He's gonna probably bat over three hundred, probably ten to fifteen home runs. Uh I think he's gonna make a comeback. I would actually trade for him if I was in a playoff contention. I think that you could get him fairly cheap because of his age and because of the down first half that he's had. Um, so if you're in playoff contention, you might be able to get him fairly cheap with a couple of draft picks for next year. Um, so he's one that I think I might trade for just because of the potential for the second half. 
Yeah, so I'm looking at his splits here, and I don't see any, like, uh, crazy splits in the first and the second half. You know, like you kind of see with Justin Upton or certain other players, but he's just been consistently good. Like, his whole career, he's been just good the whole time. So, yeah, um, what would I do? I think that I would probably trade Miggy away because I'm a little concerned about his hip this season and, you know, if they continue to – play him with it if he wouldn't have come out of Tuesday's game I might keep him I probably would keep him but I would probably try to market him just because of that that means that that hip is still bothering him and I don't like it um so moving on to Corey Kluber Corey Kluber is an interesting case here because he is like out of control good since he he actually spent some time on the DL earlier in the season about a month with back issues which you never want to see in your pitcher but I'll tell you what ever since he's come back he's been lights out uh he just became one of three pitchers in Indians history to strike out more than 64 hitters by the all-star or is that in one month I think it's in one month and the only Indians pitcher with double-digit strikeouts in five straight starts. So you got to love this guy, Indians fan. I'm going to start with you, Kyle, too. What do you think of Corey Kluber? Are you going to trade for him, trade away, or don't trade at all? Well, you know, I might be a little biased, but I think he's a stud. I mean, he, he he's just been unhittable here as of late, and he's a strikeout machine, as you said. Um, I think I'm trading for him. Uh, I, I think he's he's 31, but he got a late start to his career. I mean, I don't think he he started pitching as a starter consistently only in 2012, 2013. So I mean, he's got some years. He's probably got two to three more years in his prime here. Uh, I think you can expect this for the next couple of years coming up. I would definitely consider trading for him. Okay, uh, what do you will? Are, I just actually traded him away. That That is where this whole uh, trade away, trade for, don't trade at all game came from in my mind because I just made a trade and it included Kluber, Stanton, Odor, Inciarte. And I'll tell you about it when we're done here, but I don't want it to, I don't want, you know, I kind of want to keep it a secret, but I couldn't obviously keep it a secret. So let's, let's hear it from you, Kyle. Kyle one, what do you think of Corey Kluber? You, you, you're going to have to give up a lot of money to get him or a lot of players. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going after him. The way pitching has gone, has gone. I mean, I've been beat up with guys like uh, Bumgarner and Syndergaard and a handful of other guys. And I mean, Senzatella started off hot, and a, a rookie that uh, workload just got to him extremely fast. You know, with that being said, I, I definitely would have to go after Corey Kluber. You're talking about a guy who's top 15 in strikeouts. He's sitting at number 13, and, and like you mentioned, he had a hell of a June. July started off pretty well. He had to take the L, but uh, and still one and run, one walk, ten strikeouts. I mean, if you if you look at his his game log here, there's only one start since since April where he's had more than three walks. So for the most part, he's only I think he's averaging about 1.75 walks per game. That's absolutely phenomenal. And the strikeouts are always in the double digits. I'm I'm all in on him. Yeah, I mean, so it's very rare that you see a guy with a game log and innings pitched. I mean, this guy goes deep every single game. Um, he's got he, he missed a whole month with back issues. Like I said earlier, he still has 115 strikeouts, and that's ranks fourth in the American League, and that's ranking against guys that didn't spend a month on the DL. So I absolutely understand uh, why you both say that you would go after Kluber. So for me, I say, I mean, I traded him away, so I'm going to have to stick with that here. And for now it seems to be okay for me, but um, I, 
feel like this is almost un. It, he, it's just like he can't keep up with it at this pace. He, it, all of his peripheral numbers are good. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that you're basically putting your whole season into this one pitcher when you could, if if anything happens to him, you know that then you're 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 shit out of luck basically like you should have traded him when his value was at his highest that's kind of how i look at it but i don't blame anybody for trading for him um he is definitely a difference maker he's been better than kershaw since he came back he's the best pitcher in baseball right now it's just uh i i get that so eric thames going into the season we talked about eric thames a lot i mean i'm sure you guys did i did we didn't talk with each other but we all talked about him um he was mashing it in korea now of course is mashing it here but eric thames is first of all he can't hit lefties very good he's batting 214 against lefties um and really he bats 256 against righties which isn't great but it's not horrible actually he's been benched a couple times when they're facing lefties recently he's been benched uh he sat out three out of the last seven games i know he like took a little breather and he wanted to get his head right and stuff okay that's fine but he, in the last seven games, he's batting 333 with three home runs. That's why I think maybe this is your last chance to sell Eric Thames because over the last 30 games, he's batting 200 and he has eight home runs. So three of those eight home runs in the last 30 days have come in the last week. I just think that he is on a downhill slope. Like he's he's already hit his peak and he's. I think he's on the downside of that. So, Kyle, number two, what do you think of Eric Thames? Do you trade for, trade away, or don't trade at all? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, I would have tried to trade him away after April. I mean, that April, he was unreal. I mean, 11 home runs in the month of uh, of April is un, unheard of, really. So, um, you know, I would I would probably trade away. I think you're right. He's probably hit his, his peak. Um, it's kind of crazy to see a guy go overseas and play ball for a couple of years and then, you know, finally figure it out and then come back. And, you know, he's, he still had some pretty good success um, for, you know, playing overseas and out of the Major League Baseball for a while. Um, I, I think I'd trade him away uh, just because you might be able to get a, a couple good pieces in return for a guy that's really streaky and you just don't know what you're getting. Kyle, uh, one. Yeah, I definitely have to move him, too. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, the home runs have been impressive, but he's, he's definitely slowed down. I, I think it's finally getting to him. And if you look at it, too, a majority of the home runs he hit, is, I want to say, what, like two weeks ago, he was only at 19 home runs. And, and all of his home runs that I've seen, they've come on the fastballs that aren't getting high enough in, in, in the zone. Like, guys are just leaving them, like, are uh, just chest high. They're not get, really getting high, so he can't reach them. So I'd definitely move him. I'm going to try to sell him and get what I can. I, I think there's a lot of other pieces you can get. I don't think it has to be a one-for-one trade. I think you can do like a one-for-two type deal with Thames. But uh, I, I, I just – I don't – I think things are going to start changing here in the second half. Um, yeah, so no matter like who you are or how good you are or if you're Cody Bellinger or Aaron Judge or Eric Thames or any of these guys, there comes a t- – I mean, eventually, you know, pitchers and catchers, they – they talk about things. They watch videotapes. They know uh, pretty much after, you know, you face a pitcher a few times, they start to get to understand where your weaknesses are. And everybody has weaknesses. So either you learn how to adjust to, to what the pitchers are going to throw you because the pitchers are adjusting to you no matter what. Like, the pitchers are going to adjust. And the good ones are going to be able to adjust well. Um, 
you know, the bad ones that can't really get in the strike zone anyways, I mean, you're not too worried. So it's not every pitcher, but every pitcher will try to take advantage of any holes that you have in your swing and anything that you can't hit. So with Eric Thames, I think that a lot of his problems, like you said, are coming from the fact that he always hits his home run. Like he has a certain type of pitch that he likes and he kind of waits for that. If he doesn't get it, then what does he do? That's what we're seeing now. I think, um, I don't think that he's not good. I don't think that he's tired. I mean, he obviously played full seasons in Korea and I, it is weird to see a guy go over there and find, figure it all out and come back and hit like this. Um, but yeah, I would trade him too. David Price. Today he pitched six innings, two earned runs on five hits, uh, walked two and struck out five. So David Price is a guy that you uh, probably paid little money for unless you drafted hella early because um, at my draft, I, I paid $6 for David Price in the mixed Tout Wars draft. And, you know, people have mixed feelings about that, whether they would pay any money for David Price. But you're looking at a guy that, I mean, his history speaks for itself. And I figured if he comes back after the – even if he comes back at the All-Star break when he's not tired because he hasn't been working that hard and everybody else is getting tired, he's going to have the whole second half to, like, bail me out, you know, when my pitchers all go down (laughs) for whatever reason. So, David Price, what do you think, Kyle, too, of David Price? Would you uh, trade for, trade away, or don't trade at all? Well, I'm I'm definitely trading for. Um, David Price is a – second half machine um looking back i know last year he just had a solid overall season but in 2015 um you know his second half numbers were unreal i know that's a couple years ago and but i mean it's it's just something about him and when it comes around to september and august when (laughs) you know you could make that argument for september it doesn't matter and then he gets the playoffs and he's terrible but you know for regular season um, you know, he's, he's solid when, when it gets to July, August, September. Uh, I would definitely trade for him because uh, you might be able to get him a little cheap as well. It's not like the old David Price of a couple of years ago. You know, he's had the, the injury not too long ago. Uh, he's also 31 years old, I believe. So you might be able to get him for a decent deal. Kyle One, what do you think? I'm going to say you just don't trade, period. I, I do own him in a league only because I kept him and didn't want to throw him back. Just uh, I didn't know if he was going to come back or have Tommy John. I, I just I didn't know, so I kept him. So I'd say the best thing is just not make a trade, period. I don't know exactly what you could get for him because there's still going to be the other owners that you know play into it and they can read. He, he still has that torn UCL in his elbow. And, I mean, yeah, we've seen guys like Tanaka have had success until this season all came crashing down, but Who's to say something like that couldn't happen in the second half of David Price? I mean, he has, what, nine starts so far to the season? So, again, buying in him, too, I just I don't know what I'd be willing to give up to get him. So, I'd say I'm just not making a move, period. Yeah, I, I understand both sides. I, I would be one that would go after him. I just think that he's too good to not – I mean, when he first came back, he's been pitching now back since May 29th, which is way earlier than we expected him to come back. But it, it seemed like the first couple outings, it was just like giving up runs, walking batters, like walking a lot of batters, giving up home runs. I think he's given up seven home runs this season so far, and, and but he hasn't given up any home runs in the last three or four outings. I think today makes – I don't think he gave up a home run today. Um, but either way, I – 
I'm pretty sure he, he didn't. He had two earned runs. One of those, I don't know. But either way, the last three outings before today, no no home runs given up. Only walked three total over 20 innings of work. So I just think that he's getting better and he's he's finding his ground. I would definitely go out and trade for him. I mean, you know, the, the owner, you could always just put an offer out there. The owner didn't pay that much for him, likely. They they either passed him up at the draft or they waited, you know, until a round where they just couldn't stand and watch him sit there any longer and they decided to take a shot at him. But um, the guy didn't pay much for him. If he's doing well in pitching, I would make an offer for David Price because I think that this is a player, a pitcher that could actually really make a difference on the team in the second half, and I'm rooting for him, and I'm kind of biased because, like I said, I own him, so – Take that for what it is. Matt Carpenter. So I think that with Matt Carpenter, uh, it depends on if you're in an on-base percentage league or an average league because I did notice today I'm, I own him in an average league, and he's really frustrating. He's really pissing me off. He's got – his average on the season is 236. So he, he entered this season hitting over 270 for three straight seasons. So um, this 236 average is somewhat frustrating. He does have 14 homers so far, which puts him like right about where he has been in home run totals. Uh, I think he had 28 and 24 or 21 last year and 28 home runs the year before. So with the 14 that he has so far, I mean, he's probably going to hit those marks. However, I'm so annoyed at Matt Carpenter. Do either of you own Matt Carpenter? I do not. Uh, I, I do not either. Uh, so neither of you own him, so you don't really understand my pain. But I can tell you one thing. I was just about to trade him away when they moved him to, to the leadoff spot because he's actually hit from the first, second, and third spots in the lineup this season, and there's a serious difference in uh, his batting average from all three spots. So he had 159 at-bats in the third, hitting third. He was hitting 226. He only had 23 at-bats in the second hole, so he was batting 087. Okay, and then now that he's in batting leadoff, he's hitting 284, which, okay, so I'm a little happier, but I'm still annoyed because the 236 average is really frustrating. You paid quite a bit of money if you own this guy. Um, you got him for his position eligibility, which is super nice, but if he's not hitting, he's not hitting. Uh, Kyle, too, if you did own him, what what would you do with him? I don't think I'm moving him. I think I'm I'm hanging on to him. Uh, I, I think, like you said, the move to to uh, the the leadoff spot is a good spot for him. Uh, I, I play in a, a points league, so I'm kind of coming at you with most of my advice from from a points league standpoint. Um, he's had a, a down mm-hmm. first half, and he's still averaging 3.2 a game, which is really good. Anything above a three is really good. So um, the cool thing about him is he walks. Um, he walks just as much as he strikes out. So from a point standpoint, I mean, that's where you kind of make up a lot of, of points. He's not losing you four or five points because he strikes out. He's going to walk, which kind of cancels out the strikeout. So I think he's going to get it going. Um, I'm hanging on to him just because uh, I think he's going to be a second-half sleeper. Good. Okay, Kyle, one. Well, I mean, if I didn't own him, I'm he not going hit, after he, him. If, if if I was an owner, I, I don't know what you could get for him. So I'm going to say you don't trade him as well. I mean, if you look at the three-year splits from 14 to 16, I mean, his post-all-star numbers have gone down. I mean, his OBP goes down. The strikeouts start to 
you know, come up. He just slows down in the second half. So I, I definitely just don't move him, period. Yeah, I um, I have to agree with both of you that he's not going anywhere because especially if you've already suffered the first half with him, why give him up now when he's actually might pay off, you know? So I'm keeping him too. Ender Enciarte, this guy, okay, this is his fourth full season at the major league level. He played for the Diamondbacks uh, and now plays for the Braves. But last year when he went to the Braves, it was kind of – he. I only remember this because one of our readers – posted an article on our site about Ender Enciarte and how they were actually putting him like way low in the batting order. And he's used to hitting out of the, the, the top spot. And ever since, and when they moved him to the leadoff spot, he started picking it up too. Um, last year, all season, he only stole 16 bases. He's already stole 11 this season, but n- I have to say that, and, and also he's has more home runs this season than he's ever had in the four years uh, that he's been in the majors. So he's got seven home runs, uh, 11 stolen bases. The home runs is a record. He hasn't hit a home run. He's hit one home run and stole one base or even tried to, he's only tried to steal two bases in the last 30 days. So over the last month of the season, this guy's only tried to steal twice, successfully stole once and hit one home run. So it's kind of misleading when you look at the totals and you think like, Hmm, He's having a great season, but I wonder if that was just the first couple months of the season and, and what's going on now. They do have Freddie Freeman back uh, down there, and Matt Kemp hopefully can turn it back on. He's been horrible lately. But what do you think about Enciarte? At this pace, he's on pace to steal a couple, you know, 22 bases maybe. Not a ton, but either way, uh, Kyle, too, what do you think? Are you gonna, Do you own this guy? Are you going to trade him, trade for him, or don't trade him at all? Really? If if I owned him, I think this is a guy that I'm I'm trying to trade away, because um, you might be able to get somebody to bite on his his nice numbers here that he's he's gotten. But I I just I'm looking at his stats over the past couple of years. Um, looks like he's been healthy this year, but he's due for an injury I think because the first three years he's he's missed about 30 games each year due to an injury. So kind of take that in consideration with the second half. You know if you trade him away and get something for him, you know, you might not have to worry about that, that second half injury that comes back and really bites you in the butt because you're trying to make a playoff push and then you make a trade like this and, and the guy just ends up getting hurt. So, um, you know, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, especially at the center field position. It's hard to find good hitters there. Um, so, but I, I think I'm trading him away. Okay. Kyle one, what are you doing with you own NCRT and what are you going to do with them? I do not own. I do not own him in any leagues. I, I just think he's kind of untradeable, to be honest with you. I, I mean, you, what what can you possibly get in return? Look at his numbers. I mean, fifty-seven runs scored, so that puts him really high. I get that. That's great, but the home runs are nothing to write home about. Thirty-six RBIs, nothing. So eleven stolen bases. Yeah, I get that, but I mean, I think there's so many other uh, area, or other routes I'd rather go to acquire players. So I just don't think you can. I, if you own him, I don't think you can move him, and I just don't think he's a player you want to go after. I think there's probably fifteen to twenty other guys I'd rather go after. So I don't think you do anything with him. Okay, I'm ready to tell you both about the trade that I just accomplished in one of my leagues. It's a 15-team Roto League, and I'm in uh, sixth place, and the guy that was in – he's in second place. He traded with me. 
I, I know the reason that he wanted Enciarte, and that is because Enciarte steals bases. According, you know, they look at it, they see the 11 total, they aren't really crunching the numbers that much. In fact, until I offered one guy Enciarte um, for Justin Upton, and he t- called me on the phone and said, I was so close to taking the offer because stolen bases are at such a – I mean, they're so scarce this season that everybody is willing to – to trade away their players to get stolen bases. So Enciarte, looking at him um, not very closely, you see that he's stealing bases, and he does have a hell of a lot of runs scored. Um, so the guy, Scott, he called me up and he said, I was so close to hitting accept, and then I looked at his numbers for the last 30 days, and I'm like, wow, he's an, you know, he hasn't even attempted to steal many bases. And, you know, at this rate, he's not even going to be worth anything at the end of the season. So I did end up trading Enciarte away. I traded him in a package deal with Kluber. I gave Kluber, uh, Stephen Vogt, who was sitting on my bench, and Enciarte, and I got back uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Rugnet Odor, and Aaron Nola, which is the next player that we're going to talk about. Um, as far as players that, uh, I mean, I told you that's where this game came up from. So I had to put all these players in here. I thought it would be interesting to get your guys' take, but it was a big risk to, to trade away Corey Kluber, but I'm last in home runs and I'm last in RBIs. And I just did get Justin Upton. I had to give Gene Segura to get him, but, uh, with Upton and Stanton and Odor, I'm bound to get out of last place in, in home runs and RBIs, and I think that's where I can gain the most in point um, in roto points. So that's why I did it. I also think that Aaron Nola is a great pitcher. He started out the season horribly, but he's only allowed four earned runs in the past 22 innings. If he can keep, I mean, keep up anything close to this for the rest of the season, if he could just even get a full season in, then I'm not going to lose a ton of points. But in strikeouts is where I'm going to pay and possibly wins. But and obviously ERA and WHIP. But you know, the more innings that you rack up, the less that each pitcher really um, affects it. So I'm just hoping that Aaron Nola will continue to strike out a ton of batters like he does and just keep me hanging in there with um, in those categories while I just move up the ladder and RBIs and home runs. So Aaron Nola, um, 13 hits allowed in those 22 innings I just spoke of. 13 hits in 22 innings is so low, and he's just – that's an, that's an amazing feat to not allow those hits, and I think that it's an important thing to look at when you're deciding what you think about a, a pitcher, how many it's hits versus innings pitched. So he's got a 1.64 ERA and 26 strikeouts over the last 22 innings. So, Kyle, too, I'll go ahead and get started with you. Are you going to trade for, trade away, or don't do anything with Aaron Nola? Um, it's, a, it's a really tough call there. Uh, he's, he's still very young. He's 24 years old. Um, you know, last couple last year he put together a nice little season. Uh, this year, uh, like you said, last couple starts has been fantastic. Over the last four starts, he's had at least eight plus strikeouts. Um, so he's looked really good. I think I just got a stain put on him, um, just because the second half sometimes always scares me. But I kind of go back and forth on that because there's such a um, a need for starting pitching now that if you're in a dire position and you need a starter, you might want to consider trading for him. Um, so I can go either way on it, but I, I think I'll stand pat for now. Okay. And Kyle one. Yeah, I, I'm definitely making a move for him. I mean, I, I can't speak to how thin pitching has been this season. And I, I mean, if you look at his past 30 days, half of his win total has come just in that alone 
I, I, I get you. Clearly, you're not going to have a high win total when you're playing for a horrible team. And I mean, sometimes too, uh, ERA can be, you know, there, there can be an outlier there if your team's not one of the best uh, fielding teams in the league as well. So I'd say go after him because I've gotten to the point where I don't even care for ERAs. If I can get a guy that can strike out a hell of a lot of guys and not walk a lot, which you get with Aaron Nola, I mean, look at his whip, 1.18. That's not bad at all. So I'm all in. I'm trading for him. Would you trade Corey Kluber for him? That's the big question. Absolutely not, because those wins that Kluber is going to get playing for a better team, I'm still going to take. So because of the – but you heard the trade that I made. What do you think of that trade? Do you think that yeah, – I mean, I mean, you know, I know that you don't have a – You said you were – you're playing in a roto league, and you said you were last in what, home runs and RBIs, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was fair. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather have I'd love to have Nola and John Carlos Stanton. I own Stanton in uh, in a keeper league that I've had for the past five seasons. Yeah, if I can get Nola and and, and get uh, um, Stanton, and you were trading for need, I mean you're sitting in sixth place. That's not bad at all for being in the bottom seller and in home runs and RBIs. So when you're trading for need, and then you're getting a guy that's not walking a lot, striking a guy out, and then you're getting. John Carlos Stanton, I think that was a hell of a trade. So, but but you got to remember too that plays into the dynamics of the trade. You weren't speaking solely Kluber for Nola. I mean, if that was the case, I wouldn't do it. But when you're getting no. Nola and yeah. Stanton and you're helping your team, that's phenomenal. Thank you so much, Kyle. Too. What do you think about my trade? It's okay if you don't like it because trust me, plenty of people have not liked it. Yeah, I think you said you got you got Stanton back in return, correct? Yeah, I got Stanton and Odor for uh, I got Stanton, Odor, and Nola for Enciarte, Kluber, and Vote. Yeah, I think it's a good deal. Um, like you said, you're in every trade that a person makes, it, it comes down to what that team specifically needs. Um, if you have a dire need for home runs, getting Stanton that's that's a great pickup right there. And if you've got a little bit of pitching depth and you feel confident that you know, it can stick around for the second half and moving a guy like Kluber, who's at his peak uh, value right right now, um, yeah, I'd feel comfortable doing it. I mean, a, a big blockbuster trade like that's always scary to make, and you're rolling the dice through the way. Um, but you know what? Like you said, you're in sixth place, looking to get back in the playoff. I mean, you are in the playoff hunt, depending on the, the format there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a well-worth trade to do. And uh, at this point, it's a 50-50 either way for both teams, and it could work out. Either way, could could work out for both teams. You, you got to remember too. I you mean, know, I Nola's twenty four. Sorry. I mean, he's, no, he's twenty four years old, and he has some control left in terms of his his contract. Who's to say he's not going to be moved at the deadline? When it comes to a rebuilding organization, I think guys currently on your major league roster, they're always an option to be moved, especially if someone with a deep, deep a minor league organization, say they call over to Philadelphia and they're like, hey, listen, we want Noah. We're going to give you A, B, and C. They're like top, top, I'd say top 100 prospects. If you can get three of those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm sending Noah packing. So I, I think that's always a, uh, an option too. So no, no one's to say that he's going to be stuck on this field all season long either. I mean, highly unlikely, but I mean, that could always happen that's- as well. I agree because the Phillies, you know, they're an interesting team, this this trade deadline, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But as far as the trade is concerned, I 
I thought about it for two days. It pretty much consumed my entire life. Like, I was so excited about it, and I was so, like, scared, and at the same time excited. It was, like, making fantasy fun again, you know, at a time where it starts to, like, kind of lose interest. And I think that if you don't – the last thing you want to do is just sit there idle right now. You, you're going to have to, you know, get your – get your guts up and make a trade or do something that's a little, maybe perhaps a little risky, but that you think has an opportunity to move you up because just staying where you are, isn't really going to, unless you're in first place then you kind of have to stay where you are. Right. But I think that a lot of times maybe people don't really know how to go about trading or they just don't really have the, they're, they're too afraid to trade away a guy like Kluber, which I don't blame them because I probably lost sleep over it. And I still like am concerned about it, but I feel like if you make the decision for the right reasons and you use, you know, you have logical sound reasoning behind whatever moves you make that no matter what the outcome is, that you are pretty sure you did the right thing. And so like for trades, you know, the most important thing that you can do when you go and look at, you know, possible trades for your team is look at what other people's teams, just because they have Mike or Giancarlo Stanton and you want Stanton, you don't just go offering them just random players for Stanton. You got to look at where they are in the categories. You got to look at where they are in the standings and see what they need and address those needs. So perhaps the best way to go about trading is figure out what you need then go through the rosters um, of all the other teams in your league and look at, you know, perhaps if they have an extra guy sitting on the bench that has what you need, make him an offer. Or if a guy is in desperate need of a catcher because his catcher just went down and he now he only has one catcher and you have one on your bench, then that guy might be a good target to trade with. So those those two things are, like, so important when you're offer, making trade offers because even – even if your trade offers don't go through, even if they're rejected or what, you still know that you made a decent offer. And, and you know, uh, building these uh, building these lines of communication with other people in the league is always a positive thing because you never know when you're going to need somebody for a trade. And you don't want to burn bridges by making, like, totally ridiculous trade offers for the- – you know, to a team for players that they don't need or want or care about. Or even another one, when you try to offer like five below average players for one really good player. I mean, honestly, it's very rare that, a, you know, a multiple players to one player, like adding more players to the trade doesn't make it any more fair. In fact, it makes it, it's ridiculous because you only have so many roster spots. and You, you get five more players, now you're going to have to dump five players, you know, four players because you're only giving away one. So it's it's not necessarily a good thing for the other team to get a bunch of extra players. Like, oh, I'll just add this guy to make it seem more fair. That's not how it works. So, Kyle, too, if you could give anybody any piece of advice on trading and making offers, what would you what would you say is the most important thing to do? Yeah, and I think at this level you got to expect, I mean, we're, we play in, I'm assuming, pretty much all high-end leagues. Um, first piece of advice is, like you said, Respect the other owners, and by respecting them, um, one way of doing that is making a good offer. Um, don't even approach uh, a team with a five-to-one offer, two average players for a top-five player in the league. I mean, that's just not—it's just not common sense, and it's—it's it's really just um, you know insult to that other owner. So I would highly recommend you know straying away from that. I know too many guys that that do that, and it's not even worth anybody's time at the end of the day. So um, do your research, of course. Um, I'm more of a risk taker when it comes to making trades. Um, I usually am more willing to make a trade rather than sit back and, and wait, um, you know, for nothing to happen or 
you know, wait for my team to keep going along. Um, so just forecast, look ahead, um, you know, make sure your players are second-half players because some guys are, you know, April All-Stars and then they don't, you don't hear from them the rest of the day or the rest of the season. So, um, you know, first thing, like I said, respect and uh, do your homework. Okay. And Kyle, one, what's your advice for trading? When you're trading, you're trading for need. Right, you know, you're you're trading for something your team needs. If you're going to be out of it, come your fantasy trade deadline for your league. Clearly, you're going to want to make moves that can help you in the next season. And I'm sure there's an owner that will be paying a hefty price. But I, I mean, I think that's where other owners that have an issue with something. I think jealousy goes into it. Where oh, you know, I'm not getting this player. It's going to take them over the top. Well, that's the thing too. You're trading for need. I think you see this in, in a lot of leagues where people are like, oh, that seems lopsided. Yeah, but if it's a, if the trade's helping both teams for both team needs, then, I, I mean, who's to say that it's not a fair trade? So I'd say that, you know, trade for team needs. And also, you you got to remember, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You have to give good to get good. And my best example of a, a trade that kind of was, yeah. a, was a head scratcher, was I mean, look at the Cubs last season. They traded for Aroldis Chapman, who was it was the final year of his deal, and they wound up trading Gleyber Torres, uh, uh, Billy, uh, I can't think of his last name right now, and one other player. Uh, it was Adam Warren and, and, and one other guy. So I mean, if you think about it, the Cubs wound up with nothing after the season. They got, but they got the World Series. So they traded for need, and they traded the gun for the championship, and it wound up helping them. So you're trading for need. Don't be afraid, and remember. You're going to have to give up good to get good. You know, I remember when that happened, and I actually tweeted to Theo. I was like, you're not going to give all these prospects away without signing Chapman to, like, more than a year long, you know, more than a rental, which is what he is. And he liked the tweet, and he did it anyway. And I see why, though. They didn't want to get stuck with him for more than a season. They wanted him for what they wanted him for, and that was to win the World Series. And actually, it turned out – absolutely in their favor so yeah i think a lot of times you're going to piss off other owners in your league because they they really basically can only look at the trade from their point of view which is how is that going to affect me and if it helps or hurts me and so it's really hard for uh, the other managers in the league to be objective when it comes to whether or not a trade is fair and frankly unless it's obvious collusion i mean obvious collusion like uh i just would probably not veto trades Ever because I think that it's it it is to to decide whether a player for a player is fair or not. It would be really hard to ever prove that, you know, because last year there was a big argument. Would you rather have Dexter Fowler or Andrew McCutcheon? Right at the beginning of the season, Andrew McCutcheon was obviously the better player, but at the end of the season, Dexter Fowler turned out to be the better player and in that trade. But it was uh, vetoed in the Sky's league, and he was really pissed off about it. He. Um, Either way, you can't really tell what's going to happen. So, to you know, the only thing you can do is trade what's going to help with your needs, and it's going to piss somebody off, and you're just going to have to do it anyway because you got you want to win. That's why you play this game, right? So hopefully our trade advice will help out a little bit. Go out there and make yourself a push to win your league and get in the playoffs and do whatever you got to do right now to win this season. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to just – Go ahead and remind everybody to check out our friends and partners in the industry. We have the legend Lenny Melnick and myself at LennyMelnickFantasySports.com. 
uh, Ron Chandler at ronchandler.com, and Brian Lures. Uh, it's a dynasty partner and owner of realdealdynasty.com. MajorLeagueFantasySports.com is completely funded by listeners, league owners, and readers through donations to our Patreon account. So you can donate as little as a dollar per month to help our self-funded growth by clicking on the Patreon link at the top right side of MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Thanks to everybody contributing. And we'll go ahead and move on here. <clears throat> we talked a little bit about what we would do trading in fantasy, but Major League Fantasy trade deadline, or Major League Fantasy, Major League Fantasy Sports, Major League Baseball trade deadline coming soon. <laughs> um, there's, of course, you know, the trade season is, is open now, and there's rumors all over the place about what teams are going to do. And there's a couple players that I think that every year when they get traded, it has an impact in your fantasy league. So maybe a player uh, just was let go, like Bartolo Colon, who I want to talk about first. Uh, Bartolo Colon, he signed with the Twins, which really pissed off the Mets because the Mets were sure that they had him coming back. Because, and, and they say this. They say, the Mets say, well, we, we really made a strong effort to re-sign Bartolo Colon. That was Sandy Alderson. Uh, but he decided to go to the Twins. But the thing is, is that the Twins don't even have to pay, like, whatever the Mets offered wasn't very good because Atlanta is on the hook for $12.5 million or whatever is left of the $12.5 million that they don't pay. He only starts getting paid the league minimum the day that he comes onto the major league team. So, like, Bartolo Colon signed a minor league deal with the Twins. He's going to have maybe one or two starts down at the minor league level, and then they're going to bring him up right away because they want him to – they only have like four pitchers in their starting rotation right now. Um, so he doesn't start getting paid from the twins until the first day he arrives with the club. And that being said, the, the league minimum is, is I think it's a half a million. So the Mets couldn't have made that great of an offer because he decided to go to the twins for 500,000, whatever he's Atlanta's going to pay the 12 million. That's my point. They're stuck paying it no matter where he goes. This is a guy that he's obviously older. He might be the oldest player in baseball. One of the oldest players. I mean, him and Ari Dickey, I know are both up there in age. He throws a ton of fastballs. I'm talking like 80, 90% fastballs. This guy, he very rarely uh, strikes anybody out and he very rarely walks anybody. So, um, what do you think now he's going to pitch in target field? One interesting thing about Bartolo Colon is that he has pitched 3,140 uh, innings. Oh, no. Let me just see here. 100 fewer. Okay, 3,140 innings total this season, the starting pitchers in Minnesota. That's Irvin Santana, Kyle Gibson, Mejia, Jor- Felix Jorge, and Barrios. All of those guys combined have thrown 3140. He's thrown more innings in his career than these guys combined. No, not just this year, all of their lives, all of their major league careers, even Irvin Santana who's pitched quite a few innings. Anyway, that I messed that whole stat up, but he's pitched a whole bunch of innings. Um he's never pitched a target though. He's the last time he pitched in Minnesota was in 2005. And so he's never pitched in that uh, ballpark, but it's not that great for hitters. So we know that it could benefit a guy like Bartolo Colon because it's not that easy to hit a home run out of that park. He doesn't hardly walk anybody anyway. So um, do you think that he's fantasy relevant now that he's going to be part of the twins rotation going forward? Kyle too, I'll start with you. Um, 
You know, I don't think he is at this point in his career. I mean, 44 years old, um, and you know what? They could come back and bite me right now, but um, yeah, I think that was the best possible position for him, place for him to go was Minnesota because, like you said, it's a great pitcher's park. Um, he might make a great addition to that rotation. He brings a lot of leadership. Um, but I, I just don't know if he's got much left in the tank at this point in his career. Uh, I could be wrong, but, um, you know, he's been getting hit really, really hard. I mean, he made 13 starts this year and has an ERA over eight. I mean, that's that's pretty rough. And um, we know yeah. he's not going to strike out a lot of guys, but when you're getting hit that hard, and he's really never been hit that hard, you know, through his career. I mean, this is kind of like the first time that that's really happened to an extent. Um, I mean, he had a couple rough years in L.A., but overall, I mean, this has been the pretty biggest that he's ever, you know, he's ever been hit. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the factor that he's 44. Um, I just don't think he's got much in the tank. So I, I would say, no, he's not relevant, but kudos to Minnesota for going out and getting this guy and uh, giving at least a chance who would have thought that they'd even be irrelevant right now. I sure didn't. And um, you know, I don't know why the Mets would be upset to be honest with you. I mean, when you, when you release a guy and put him on waivers, I mean, there's always that opportunity that he's going to go somewhere else. So you know, I don't know what they're so upset about, but uh, at the end of the day, that's the way the that's the way the game works. Yeah, totally. Um, I well, you mentioned that he has leadership qualities, and that's probably going to be really good. They have Barrios over there, who actually, um, when Bartolo Colon was making his first big league start for Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians in '97, Jose Barrios was not even three years old yet. So it's, it's an interesting um, gap between them, but I definitely think that he's a good veteran presence for a guy like Barrios who's still finding his way and stuff. So Kyle one, what do you think of Bartolo Colon? Could he maybe be a good guy to stream for matchups maybe, or play in the daily game at times? Yeah, I think, I think matchups. I mean, if you look at this starting rotation for the twins, I mean, the only guys that have respectable numbers are Santana and, and Barrios. I mean, if you look at Phil Hughes, garbage, Gibson, garbage, Mejia is so young, so, you know, naturally he's <laughs> getting his first pace. Yeah, I mean, his numbers aren't very very solid either. So, uh, I mean, it, 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 anything helps. I mean, this team is only a game out of uh, the second wild card spot. You know, uh, New York and uh, Tampa are leading that race. So, I mean, he's, this is one of his final shots to, to make uh, the playoffs. And, I mean, 44, what's his, I mean, he's – it's not like we're talking about a 44-year-old guy like uh, Julio Franco that took care, good care of himself either. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's five, maybe 5'11", five almost 300 pounds. I mean, so this guy, it's not like he is a, you know, takes great care of himself either. So, I mean, and his numbers have been absolutely horrendous this season. I'll tell you why the Mets are pissed. The Mets are pissed because they could have gotten another arm to throw in there and for, for, for cheap. I mean, Atlanta's on the hook for $12 million, so I think Alderson's looking at this like, ah, oh, come on, you know, come over here. But the thing is, you had your shot to re-sign exactly. the guy, and you, you know, you lowballed him, and he said, the hell with you. So, of course, Alderson's pissed, but you know what? He should be pissed because he's the reason why this team is so bad right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't Oh, my gosh. I mean, I couldn't even agree. There. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to go, go using one of my uh, – my, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, one of my uh, waiver requests or waiver orders. I have a high number. It's definitely not going to be on him. But I think certain certain games at home against certain offenses, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I could uh, go with Bartolo Colon, but he's not a guy I'm going to sit there and roster. Definitely would have to be spot starts here and there, especially at 44. So there's a couple things. What you said about Sandy Alderson, it couldn't even be more right because Sandy Alderson, I have come to conclude that he is the problem. And so when everybody wants to talk about getting rid of Terry Collins, I will say you need to get rid of Alderson because he's just a jerk, okay, flat out. He's a jerk in every way. And he – to say that you tried and made a huge push for this guy is unbelievable because everybody – it's public knowledge how much he's getting paid and how much Atlanta is going to have to pay of that. So they're not going to pay anything. But I thought that they would actually try to get him just because fans love Bartolo Colon here. I mean, we, we just – the Mets fans, they do like him. So just like they did with Tim Tebow, getting a player just to put butts in the seats or just to fill up the stadium, you know, they've – been known to do it, and they pretty much admitted it with Tebow that we didn't really get him because we think that he's a great baseball player, but we're pretty sure that he's going to bring people to the stadium to watch, and I think Bartolo Colon would have done the same thing. So, of course, they're annoyed, and they deserve it because that's what happens when you're an idiot. That's what happens. This guy I don't obviously like very much, but um, especially after this whole thing with um, Syndergaard and with – Cespedes and all these, it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, the team is running this team. The players are running the team when the management should be running the team because, of course, he doesn't want to go get an MRI. Of course, he doesn't want to come out of the game. He wants to play. He wants to be healthy. But, you know, that's why you need a manager to look out for you. Here's, anyway, here's, go ahead. You know, it should, you know it should have happened. If I'm the general manager, I'm getting with the owner, and I'm going to go up to the center guard and be like, you work for me. You're getting your ass to the doctor, and you're getting that exactly. MRI done. It's kind of like the best way to put it, the best way it should have been handled was kind of like Jerry Jones in Dallas when everyone was kneeling. He looked, he went into the locker room, he said, you guys work for me, I sign your check. You guys do not kneel during the national anthem, and that's how it should have been handled. You go in there and you let them know who he works for. Uh- Exactly. And you won't go if you want to go out to the mound again, then you're going to go get this test because, you know, how about this? You're not pitching until you go go to the doctor and get an MRI. Okay, that'll be done by like tomorrow morning, you know, but they take the approach that we're not able to force them to go get an MRI. And I would say to that, I really think you are, though. Okay, and no uncertain terms here. You are allowed to force them because you just take them out of the rotation until they do it. (laughs) <laughs> That's what you do. Okay, so we're talking about uh, the horrible numbers that Bartolo Colon put up, and there's something about this new SunTrust Park at in Atlanta that, you know, it's the first year for that stadium, and it seems like pitchers are not doing well. Now, Ari Dickey's turned it around quite a bit in the last few outings, so we're not really sure how to take SunTrust Park yet, but what I do know is that Julio Turan, and he – is being rumored to be traded this um, at the trade deadline, which I don't really know. Um, I'm not saying that Atlanta is going to be completely sellers because I think they believe that they still have a chance to get into this um, wild card spot. So, but they could still sell and buy at the same time. We talked about that last week. Julio Turan has a horrible, horrible ERA at home. It's a 7.5 at home and a 2.53 on the road. So he's six and zero on the road and. I don't even know what he is at home. One and six at home. And that, that this is a stark difference between home and away splits. And I think that why not trade him? I mean, he's still on the hook till 2020. He's got, they have a 20 in 2020, they have a $12 million option. Um, he gets paid six and a half million this year. Next year, he's going to get paid 
eight million and then eleven million and twelve million. So he's got this type of contract that continually gets bigger until twenty twenty where they can decide if they want to keep him or not. Uh what do you think is going to happen with Julio Turan? Do you think that obviously that Atlanta is saying maybe we don't think he can pitch here and this happens to be his home, so we gotta get rid of him? What do you think, Kyle too? Yeah, I think that might be what this is, or this could be uh you know, a tactic by the Braves that maybe, you know, scare him a little bit to to hope to energize him to focus a little bit more at home. Um, if I'm the Atlanta Braves, you know, I'm not – unless I'm blown away in a trade offer for him, I mean, I'm, I'm hanging on to him. He's still really young. He's 26 years old. Um, he's got – you know, he's only had, what, I don't know how many starts at home. I haven't been able to look yet, but it uh, looks like he's had nine starts at home. So, I mean, that's – yeah, I'd probably go a whole year to see before, um, to see the whole year uh, and see what his numbers are for the whole year before I, I go ahead and trade him. Um, just from the standpoint is I think that he is going to be a really good pitcher and has been a really good pitcher so far for his career. So I'm not, you know, getting rid of him so quickly just yet. You know, I think maybe give him a couple more starts at home. Maybe he needed a little break, a little breather at the all-star break. Um, so I'd hang on to him, and I'll be interested to see if they do trade him. Like I said, it'd have to be something that blew me away. Of course, if it blew me away, then I'd do it. Yeah, but, you know, you're talking about the Atlanta Braves here. If they do think they're going to be contenders, that would be, you know, really a pretty – I just don't see how they could trade away their number one pitcher. He is the number one guy in the rotation. I mean, behind that, they just have, like – Fulte, they have Jaime Garcia, Sean Newcomb, and Ari Dickey. I don't even know who uh, is in line to be a starting pitcher in their rotation if they did get rid of Tehran. So if they are considering contending this year, then I just don't see how they can do it without Tehran. Uh, that being said, he's so bad at home. He's not really helping him any <laughs> when he's pitching at home. Kyle One, what do you think happens with him? Yeah, I mean, if I'm the general manager for the Braves, I don't have to trade him. I, I'm, I, you know, they're only seven and a half games behind, you know, that second wild uh, card, or excuse me, eight games. Uh, Cubs and Cards are seven and a half games. So, I mean, there's still a lot of time. We still have a majority of the second half of the season left. And, you know, that being said, if I'm going to move him, because the Braves have pitching depth in their minor league organization. I mean, they're really – They've been drafting heavy on all yeah. the past few drafts. And with that being said, I'm going to have to be blown away to, to, to trade Tehran away because, yes, like you said, they are only, you know, they're eight games behind a wild card spot. And, of course, the Nationals are running away with the division. But if, they, if he thinks that they can make the playoffs, then he doesn't have to move them. But then if you get a team like, like uh, Milwaukee that has a guy like Lewis Brinson who they couldn't move over to Atlanta and, uh, and the numerous other pieces, just not him or – and the Cubs are going to be looking for a starter. And it's not even necessarily for this year for the Cubs because more than likely they're not going to sign Jake Arrieta. And they have pieces in their minor league system too, position players that they could move. And and so there's going to be teams, even the Yankees, they, they're going to be gunning for an arm. So if, if uh, uh, Atlanta gets blown away with an offer, then, yeah, I think Toronto can be on his way out. But that being said, you have to be blown away. You don't have to make a deal just to make a deal. And his his contract is right. very that's I mean, very that seems friendly. You think so? I mean, I I think so for starting pitching nowadays. I mean, what you said, he's got a eight million dollar team option for next year. I mean, that to me, I mean, that's very that's a favorable contract. If you 
you want to give him another year. I mean, after that, like you, if it you get to that point where it gets to over ten million, that's definitely something to look at for sure. But I, I if it's an eight million dollar team option for next year, I mean, I that's not bad for a starting pitcher nowadays. It's eight million next year, and then it continues to go up until 2020 when they have an option of whether or not they want to keep him, or they can buy out their. Um, they don't have to keep him and pay 12 million. They can actually buy out for one million. So whatever it is, it's it is quite low for this guy being your number one pitcher in your rotation. You know, so um, you know earlier we were talking about the Phillies and we were saying. You know, what are they going to do at the trade deadline? Obviously, this team is not going to compete this season. They've had numerous problems, you know, just getting the – like Odubel Herrera just running around the third base coach that day just was unbelievable. And he's had other issues on the base paths. And it seems like Mikel Franco is not living up to what everybody expected him to be doing. And so – they're running into things. Well, every day I do baseball chatter, so I write about the different things that are going on in baseball, and, and Matt Klintek is always in the news, the general manager for the Phillies. He's always in the news, and him and uh, the other guy. Oh, I can't remember his name. What's the other guy? the manager of the Phillies. I'll think of it as we go. Um, either way, Klintek says that the – uh, teams have been contacting him over the past week. He's been basically fielding offers and stuff like that. And it's interesting because uh, we're going to talk about several prospects that are pretty much ready to come up to the Phillies major league team, but there's really no room for them. So um, what Clintech said that was interesting to me is that he said that he's been fielding offers from other teams about trading, but he talked about his uh, veterans, short-term veterans saying that, some of our short-term veterans have had good first half, so we'll see what they, you know, bring in trade offers. So uh, then I start looking at their team, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, veterans? Like, who on this team has had a good half, first half, and is a veteran? It certainly isn't Michael Saunders, who they just recently, like, DFA'd, and it's not Joaquin Benoit, you know? Like, who is this? Is it Howie Kendrick, who's injured right now? He's got eight stolen bases. Maybe that's who he's talking about. But – the one name that comes up in a lot of trade discussions is Jeremy Hellickson. Um, Jeremy Hellickson, to me, is a mediocre pitcher at best. I don't really see how he's had any kind of great uh, first half. He's pitched 102 innings, 18 starts. He's got a, four and a, a 4.49 ERA. His fielding independent percentage is actually higher than that, if you can imagine that. It's spo- so his ERA – should be, according to this, 5.62. He's got a .2 war. He's just not good. Uh, Lenny seems to think that, you know, should he go? Now, at the trade deadline, we're talking about teams that are acquiring pitchers and players. These are teams that think that they can win with, like, one extra piece. So this would be Jeremy Hellickson likely going to a team that's contending. Does that help him in any way as far as, like, fantasy value goes? Because I know that he's available in quite a few leagues out there. Kyle won. I do. Uh, I think if he goes to a team that needs like a, a back end starter, because that's most likely where he's going to be when a, if a team acquires him. Uh, I think he can have. Uh, if he goes to a potent offense like a, a the Nationals, even the Yankees, or a team that's that's in the hunt that just wants to get a, a cheap option just to solidify the back end of the rotation, it doesn't necessarily mean they they're going to get this guy because they need him to go in in, in the postseason. Just think about it. You drop down three to four starters, so if you can get a guy to up that four or five spot for the rest of the season and just help get you into the playoffs, 
I think that his value goes up just because of the run support, teams that are, are better defensively as well. So uh, I think that definitely would help his value if he gets moved. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, he's kind of a, a little – little. Uh, the money might be a little tight for a 4-5 or five guy, but, I mean, there, there's a lot of – there's not a whole lot of uh, arms that are going to be available like that, and I think Helson's a better, cheaper option. What do you think, Kyle, too? Do you like Jeremy Hellickson? Should he get traded to a team that's contending? Um, I've never really been a big uh, fan of his uh, just from the fact that, you know, he's a high-contact guy and he doesn't strike out a, a ton of guys. Um, but he, you know, I if I'm a contender and if I have a, a problem with my five-starter, st- um, you know, I guess I'd consider making a move for him because you're probably not going to have to give up a whole lot for him. You know, you're probably going to give up an average prospect or maybe, you know, maybe some cash considerations. Who knows what the Phillies want to do with him. I don't think they're going to get a whole lot out of him. Um, but he could he could end up being a, a nice little five uh, starter for a team and uh, could end up being the a reason why a team makes a push to the playoffs. Now, if I'm going to – he wouldn't be somebody I'm marching out for game one of a playoff series, that's for sure. But – um, you know, he could he could help out in some ways. And like I said, he'd probably be a cheap option. So I'd consider it from a fantasy standpoint. No, not at all. Um, you know, he's a spot starter at best, and that's only if the, the, the matchup is favorable. I totally agree uh, that fantasy, it's, it's very hard to like this guy in fantasy because he is mediocre at best. Um, you know, his velocity has been – he's 30 years old, so immediately I start looking at his velocity over the past few years. It's steady. It's consistent at 90.1 miles an hour for three seasons straight. What I don't really like about him is the fact that he gives up so many home runs. So let's say that he gets traded to a contender. Let's just pretend that teams that have a, a pitcher friend or a hitter – friendly ballparks would probably not really go and seek out Jeremy Hellickson, but he's already given up 20 home runs this season. And I mean, last year he only gave up 24 all season, but you, I mean, it's hard to compare these numbers uh, to last year's numbers, especially when there's just so many home runs, like, uh, right. He, he gave up 22 the year before that, but there was probably half the number of home runs that we're seeing right now. It's an amazing change in the atmosphere for the game, for pitchers, for everybody involved. Like when 70, 76 players in baseball have more home runs than Gary Sanchez, then you know there's a ton of home runs being hit out there. So how much do you hold the 20 home runs against the guy in 100 innings when, I mean, last year he gave up 24 and 190 innings? Kyle, too? I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really big number. And, um, you know, he's definitely not going to be a contender that's a hitter-friendly ballpark. I'm definitely not making a, a move for him. If I'm – like we talked about the Twins earlier. I mean, if the Twins go and get Bartolo Colon, I mean, this is the, you know, Hellickson's kind of the same kind of pitcher. I mean, he could he could benefit in a pitcher-friendly ballpark like Minnesota. So uh, for a team like that, that might make, that would make mm-hmm. some sense there. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, yeah. I don't think that there's a lot of teams that are going to be going out seeking a guy like Hellickson in a uh, hitter-friendly ballpark. And but, and, and that being said, like when teams go out to trade for a rental, which is exactly what he would be because he uh, signed a one-year 
call, uh, the qualifying offer is what he got last year. So it's $17.2 million is what he's getting paid this year. And then he's a free agent. So any team that does acquire him, they're getting him for a small period of time. And they're not looking to give away prospects for a guy that's going to hurt them rather than help them get into the playoffs. You know, I mean, so I don't know how much they're going to get for Hellickson. I just don't see him getting moved. Although I do see Philly, a lot of prospects ready to come up. Um, a lot of like, just seems that they don't have a lot of camaraderie going on there. It doesn't seem like they, they have a good true fit with all their players. So maybe if they're looking to just kind of clean house and, and get something back, some new faces, new fresh faces, maybe that, maybe that, They'll give them away really cheap, but I don't see a team spending a lot of money to uh, or giving away a bunch of prospects to get back Jeremy Hellickson. So that being said, let's move on to the next guy, which would be Pat Neshek. Uh Philly again, but he's played for six teams, so forgive me if I get confused as to where he plays. <laughs> because he's, he's played for six different teams. He's 36 years old. He's actually having a good season, and he's pitched 34 innings this season. Um, he's striking out almost nine per nine innings so one per inning and he's only walking a little more than one batter per nine so that's that's really good numbers although this guy has like I mean in his entire career I think he has six saves so for those teams out there looking for a closer I I just personally don't really see that Pat Neshek is going to bring anything they're not going to be a closer. You can't just take a guy like this and throw him into the closing role in Washington and expect him to, you know, get 25 saves for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. So that's my opinion. Of course, you know, I have two other people here that are going to give theirs, and I'm going to start with you, Kyle. One. Yeah, I think you're going to be looking to solidify their bullpen, and this wouldn't be for a closer's role, but just to get another arm in there and, I mean, you got to think about it, too. Look, at he's coming from the right side, but look at his mechanics. I, I mean, because of that, too, it gives you a little bit of a different look out of the bullpen because he's throwing, you know, more of a uh, less than three-quarter slot, so more of a sidearm knuckle drag type deal. So uh, I think that would be a, a great addition. And look what he's done so far. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that can come in and get an out, uh, he's your guy to go. I think if any guys in their bullpen, Nishek would be number one to go after, and then Hector marries it at number two. Mhm. What about you, Kyle? Too. No, I think he'd be an excellent pickup for a, a contender, uh, especially like you brought up Washington. My goodness, he would make that bullpen a lot better. The year he's having right now, he's on pace to to do what we thought he was going to be um, at his rookie year with Minnesota and his second year with Minnesota, the guy was lights out. I mean, he was one of the best well-known relievers in the game at that time. Um, he would be an eighth inning. He's a setup guy. You know, Mike, he, he could help you in the holds category if, if you, you're needing that from a fantasy standpoint. Um, I, I think uh, you're also going to get him fairly cheap. Again, it's, it's a rental player. Um, he's 36 years old. Philly's not going to get much in return. They might. I mean, I highly doubt you're looking at, again, an average prospect at the best, um, best case scenario, um, more or less, or could be cash considerations. You're not going to get much for the guy. But at the end of the day, he would help He would help the Nationals out a lot. Um, he is a little bit of a risk because uh, he does sometimes just – he gets hit hard. Um, you know, he's never really been a, a guy that um, – like we thought he was going to be, which would have been a, a pure eighth inning stud. But, um, you know, he, he, he could help a team out this year for sure. Yeah. 
Um, he, you play in the league with the effector, right? You, you're, do you know the effector, the term? Uh, no. no, I don't actually. Kyle, too. I was talking to you, but Kyle, one, tell him. We need a guy that can come in there and Kyle get one. out any given situation. So think of like in the Champions League, that, or any right. league that holds your uh, inherited runner standard plus holds. The guy that can come in and get an out regardless of the inning, outs, runners on, just guy that can get an out. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so just basically a guy, and he, this guy is him, too. He does, he does strike out a good number of batters. He can pitch more than one inning if he has to, and he can come in any time. So, yeah, I think that's great. If you're, if you're in a fantasy league that uses holds, I, I would assume that he's probably already off the board, right, you guys? He's probably not. Oh, yeah. I don't play I in any leagues with holds, but am I, am I right? Yeah. So I, he's probably not available in any league that does have holds, but um, – you know, there's some times where you get to a point in the season where you know that you're going to reach your minimum innings pitched, and you might want to, like, instead of p- playing your risky starters, you might bench them. You might pick up a couple middle relief guys just to keep your ERA and your whip down. He would be a good option for that. If you can if you can um, still make your minimums and you want to keep your ERA and your whip pretty stable and you're good, you know, in that respect, it could be a good option. I, it's just, you know, something that I've actually thought about doing in one of my leagues because I'm just getting bombed and my starting pitching is not doing that well. So every time one of them goes out there, my ERA just keeps climbing and climbing when I think, like, I'm already going to make my minimum. So I could just throw in a couple mid-relief guys and just, you know, let them be lights out and get the job done. So keep me, like, pretty stable in those categories. Moving on to Andrew McCutcheon. He signed a six-year, $51.5 million contract extension with the Pirates in 2012. Um, they have an option after this season to either pay a million dollars to get rid of him or pay him $14.5 million to keep him. So, you know, he's been – this is not anything new. This is not new news here. Andrew McCutcheon on the trade block. But the thing is is that he's been so good as of late, and he is keeping his position even after um, the dude that just got suspended comes back. He's going to still stay in center field where he likes to be and – He's happy and he's hitting. So the Pirates are seven games back from Milwaukee in their division. Um, I don't know if that's too many, but I definitely think that they, they're they probably going to be sellers come the deadline, and even Ozuna's name has come up. So what do you think the Pirates are going to do, and how do you think that's going to affect fantasy impact with Andrew McCutcheon? Maybe he should be one of those guys that we say, like, should you trade for, trade away, or don't trade at all. Kyle won. Yeah. The Pirates are going to move him, and with the you know uh, with the, the option coming up on him, I mean, if you're going to move him, it has to be now. I mean, after the past two seasons where that average slipped a little bit, and you know the home runs came later after early season struggles. I mean, look at this season so far. I mean, 295 is I did, if you would have asked me if he would have gotten that high early on in the season, I would have said no. 53 runs scored, 16 home runs, 49 RBIs, right. and six stolen bases. I mean, these are the numbers that we were used to early on in his career. So if they're going to move him, do it now. You can get some uh, prime prospects in return, and I, I, it's going to come down to whether or not they're going to want to keep him long term. If not, now is the time to move him. But I don't mean next year. I don't mean in the off season. It have to be this deadline to make that decision. Yeah, yeah, they're they're running out of time to make this uh, to decide what they're going to do with McCutcheon and. As far as fantasy goes, I would probably try to market him. 
I think that he's probably playing at his best that he's going to be playing all season. And, you know, it's that's the saying. You should always trade a player at their highest value. Um, Kyle, too, what do you think about Andrew McCutcheon, whether or not he stays in Pittsburgh and whether or not you should trade him if you own him or trade for him or what? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Pittsburgh is definitely going to try to trade him. They'd be crazy not to. They're not going to be – they're not really in contention. They're, they're surprising, like we said earlier, we were talking that that division is so weak. This year, that's the reason they're down. They're only down seven games or whatnot. Um, yeah, I trade him because this is when you're going to get the most out of him. If not, you're going to have to make a, a commitment to him financially. And uh, I just, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought he was done after last year's season. I, I really didn't think that he. It was just going to be a decline from that season on. So this was really a nice surprise from a fantasy standpoint because you probably got him in a later round situation. Um, is a, probably a really good steal deal for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trade him right now from a fantasy standpoint, too, just because I think this is the highest value that he's going to have probably for the rest of his career, to be quite honest with you. I mean, he's, he's right at that spot where unless he goes to a really hitter-friendly ballpark uh, for the rest of his career, I mean, he's really going to be limited. He's going to be making the position change whether he doesn't whether he wants to do it or not. He's going to have to move from center field. Um, so that, like you said, that was kind of the reason he was kind of happy right now, but that change is coming whether he likes it or not. Um, so I'm, I'm moving him and I, I think the pirates will definitely move him as well. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Everything you said, I totally agree with it. Um, so now we're going to talk, we're pretty much, is there anybody else that you think that's like going to have a big fantasy impact? Are you guys, uh, anybody that comes to your mind, like right away when you hear the word trade deadline, Kyle too? Yeah, I think, I mean, the two arms that have been talking about, or just everyone's been talking about are Quintana and Sonny Gray. I mean, those guys are pretty much getting their luggage packed now. It's just going to come down to who's going to offer those teams the best uh, uh the best uh, prospects in return. So uh, when they get moved too, especially the contenders, I can see those guys, their numbers getting even uh, going through the roof. I mean, right now both of them have looked pretty good. Sonny Gray just keeps getting better and better, and it looks like he's wanting to get moved to a contender. So I think both of those arms are guys you definitely keep an eye on. Um, The Yankees, the Orioles, the Royals, the Angels – the Blue Jays and the Cardinals were all in Colorado watching uh, the White Sox play when Quintana was pitching on Saturday. So that's seven, was six teams. One, two, three. There's six teams there watching. And, and we don't know for sure if they were watching Quintana specifically, but we're pretty sure. All right. I mean, Kyle, too, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what the name I was going to bring up is, is his name. Um, he, he's, he's proven to be a stud in the past. Um and if you can get him now, I mean, this might be the time to do it. Um, he, he's still fairly young. He's 28 years old, and he could really help out a playoff team. He, he could be the kind of player that you go out and get, and he's the main reason why you made the playoffs or you even made it to the World Series because he can get hot. He's a streaky pitcher. Um, he was getting hot there for a little bit. He had a couple rough starts here. I mean, he didn't pitch – Terrible in Colorado. He had 10 strikeouts, but, you know, he's, he only made it five and a third. So, um, you know, he, he's, you just, he's having a little bit of a rough year. But if you're, a, if you're a contender, I mean, that's the kind of trade that you make if you're going to win. Um, like, like Kyle said earlier about Chapman, I mean, if you're going to put 
all your eggs in the basket to go get that championship, this might be the kind of guy that could, could help you get over the hump. Yeah, um, I have to say that I traded Quintana earlier in the season when he was slumping, and I don't even want to say who I traded him for, so let's just move on from that. We're going to talk about some fantasy tools that we use. I always like to try to give listeners, like, you know, I'm trying to help them pick up players and do this. The whole point of this show is to help people win fantasy, and I decided that we would each tell one of our favorite tools that we use uh, that's free to help us with our fantasy roster. So I'll go ahead and start with mine, and it would be one that I just recently found and I love, and it's free over at scout.com. You can find it actually at fftoolbox.scout.com forward slash baseball forward slash MLB optimizer, or you could just search in Google for um, the scout baseball optimizer and basically what if you play daily game if you play at DraftKings, um they also do FanDuel and yahoo i play at DraftKings, so that's the one i'm most familiar with but i'm sure that it works the same for all of the sites uh it has like seven or eight different contests all the ones that DraftKings is running for the day so it has the early games the the evening games the normal that's usually all the games during the day or whatever it shows you the weather and basically you can see all the projected points for every position every player every pitcher you can see how many they're projected to get what their salary is you can either let them optimize the lineup for you or you can like pick a couple different players that you really like and then optimize and it will fill in the spots. I really like it. I think that, you know, it's not something that I I say, okay, they gave me this team and I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to use that team. There's, you know, there's reasons why you would choose other players or not. And it's not, you're not going to win every game with, (laughs) by using this tool, but I definitely think that because it's run by an algorithm, it's run by statistics, specifically statistics there isn't any kind of like bias for your favorite team or your favorite pitcher it's um it's not it's based on numbers so it seems to be pretty good i've been using it for like about the past month since a friend of mine showed me and i have to say that i've done very well i've won the tout wars daily league we play every friday against each other um i've won that twice now with this tool like i said i don't rely on the tool 100 percent, but um, it's really helped me as far as uh, the daily game is concerned. You, it saves me a bunch of time, too, from having to look at all of the previews on MLB, like looking at all of the players that they pitched against, trying to narrow it down. It just puts everything together in a in a good place. So that would be the Scout Fantasy Baseball Optimizer tool. Uh, Kyle, too, what's your favorite free tool that you use uh, to help you with your fantasy teams? Uh, I, I enjoy fan graphs. Um, you know, I just started with it not too long ago, um, so I don't have a ton of experience with it. But, you know, from what I've I've used so far, um, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a good place to to look at minor leaguers and, and kind of look at their stats and how they've been doing. Um, it's also a good place to stay up to date with, with your top-notch teams like or players like Mike Trout. You know, it kind of – projects the year in advance on where they're at and where they think they're going to finish for the year. So I would throw a shout-out to Fangraphs, even though, like I said, I don't have a ton of experience with it. But what I've seen so far, it's been it's been a nice little pleasant surprise and uh, one that I can probably take with me moving forward as well. 
You know, fan graphs, I love. I know that Kyle, number one, also uses fan graphs a lot. If I don't know if you know this one, but if you sign up for an account, it's free. I mean, they're asking for donations lately. But either way, if you have an account and you sign into your account, you can actually create custom uh, leaderboards. So if you – let's say that you're just – in like my custom leaderboard I have, um, it, it – it comes up every time I punch in a player's name. The first table on the board is my custom leaderboard. So it, I, it shows me, like, their strikeout percentage, their walk percentage, their batting average on balls in play. And you get to pick all the categories that you want to be in your custom leaderboard. That way you don't have to, like, fiddle through all of the tabs because Fangraphs is, has endless amounts of information. And um, it's almost, like, too much to even be able to look up anything really fast. But if you do create these leaderboards, you can actually look at what's interesting to you and what you look at. Like every time you go and look up a player, you can actually see right away these different types of categories that you want to look at, like, um, you know, whether it's runs created or any of these. And there's probably 50 or 60 things that you can put in your custom leaderboard. You can also uh, make different leaderboards with just certain players. Like if you were trying to compare like five or six players, you can do those in a graphed form or a graph graphing you can see graphs of two players compared to each other, or you can do it in a leaderboard like what you see whenever you punch up somebody's name. So I thought I'd share that with you since you're somewhat new to fan graphs. But excellent, excellent choice. And I think that anybody that's serious about fantasy probably looks at fan graphs on a regular basis at this point. Plus they have like all that hard contact, medium contact. They It has all the stats that you could possibly ever imagine and then some. Kyle One, what's your favorite free tool? Yeah, I was going to say Fangraphs. I, I definitely go with that. For me, uh, most of my articles, well, I should say the articles I write usually have to do with sabermetrics, and I like to talk about guys that were heating up or, you know, are hitting a wall, if you will, and I like being able to go uh, with your, your different contact percentages, soft, medium, hard, uh, by a monthly basis, and it allows you to go month by month, whereas most sites won't let you look at those sabermetric numbers by a monthly basis. So that, I really enjoy seeing, like, their contact percentages as well, like your, or, uh, in, or excuse me, your play discipline in, in terms of, you know, hitting pitches inside the zone, outside the zone. So your different contacts, so E contact and uh, O contact percentage, swinging strike percentage, just overall contact percentages. So I use that. Um, I also, uh, I'm big into baseball reference. I like to use that for uh, minor league stats and, and even uh, MILB, so your uh, minorleaguebaseball.com to uh, really go into your minor league guys. And they do a really good job at breaking down every level uh, that the players played in. So from rookie ball all the way to uh, MLB. So it, those, those are my three go-to sites. Yeah, those are all, those are very good sites. And yeah, the swinging, like the plate discipline is super helpful as we start to become more and more knowledgeable about statistics and what they mean. It is imperative, you know, to go to fan graphs and be like, okay, he, he swings at the first pitch this much. He swings outside the zone this much. He swings, you know, this is what the pitchers are looking at when they're trying to figure out batters, when they're trying to figure out Aaron Judge, when they're trying to figure out Bellinger, they're all looking at these stats, trying to figure out which pitches that they're hitting, what type of pitches that they're hitting. I mean, they have heat maps. They have everything that you could imagine. They have it at Fangraphs. But I'll say one oh, more, yeah. which is Razzball.com. I've been reading Razzball.com for a long time, and um, I was trying to figure out forever who Gray Albright was because he's the guy that every day he puts out uh, – 
it and it's always very funny. He's very comedic and he he's he writes scripts for a living, so he he writes plays, I mean movies and stuff like that. So he has he's really good at writing, but he brings fun. He makes it fun to read about what happened the night before and he does it early in the morning. Like I don't know when it comes out, but I know that every time I ever was doing a podcast early in the morning I could always rely on Rasball to have the stuff out by like six, seven in the morning. And it's just informative and it's funny and the people over there are really um there's a great community over there. So Rasball is the other one that I will put high up on my list for fantasy help and just keeping up on baseball every day. Um, I do, so, I do have yeah, that being said, one. let's move on to – okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give credit where credit is due. Anyone that's ever looking for spot starts that come out on a Sunday, look at Joe Iannone's at, at MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. He probably is the most talented of all of our riders, especially when it comes to spot starts each week. you got to get on there early Sunday morning to read it. Because if you don't, those guys that he lists, that, and, and he does it at different tiers too, guys, that you should go after, guys that are definitely faint for the heart, you know, guys you, you might want to stay away from. But those guys like that, I mean, as soon as his article comes out, it, it just it, it explodes. Those guys are coming off the waivers immediately. And he even has a big uh, fan base on Reddit community as well. So if anyone out there is looking for spot start help, pay attention to Joe Iannone's articles. It's a great article. I will say that. I read it just today. Um, what does he call that article? It's called – what is it? His The name for this uh, article that he writes every Sunday. Either way, every Sunday, and he doesn't just talk about, like, obvious pickups, streaming pitchers or whatever. He talks about play, pitchers that are only owned in, like – or owned in – how does he do it? He makes it pretty difficult. So even if you're in deep leagues, he's going to have a pitcher on there that you can still stream. Even if you're in the deepest league, yeah, well, he's very good. He's very thorough. He writes. Yeah. So that is a great um, article over at MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. So I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about a couple prospects because, you know, right now it's this is it until September call-ups. We're going to be seeing a few more prospects come up now like the futures game was today so they said today that uh 50 there's 50 players in the futures game 32 of the 50 from last year already have major league at bats so for anybody playing in fantasy obviously if you're playing in a keeper league or a dynasty league then you probably are already paying attention to this but even for people in redraft leagues it's important to pay attention to the prospects because not only can you grab them right now if you saved your money like a smart person you have some money to spend you know where you where you need help and these prospects could make a difference probably not but they could so today we're going to talk about several of them i'm going to start off with reese hoskins over in philly i think the majority of our prospects that we're going to talk about today are Phillies. And I didn't even notice it until I was just getting ready for the show, but Tommy Joseph plays first base. He's not that great. He hits a lot for a lot of power, but then you got Reese Hoskins who is just doing his time down in the minors. He is ready to come up. I mean, I was saying to Lenny that it's almost like punishing the guy to not let him come up to the majors, but he's blocked by Tommy Joseph. Now we talked a little bit earlier about, um, Clintec and, what he was saying is basically that they're going to sell what's best for their team. They're going to sell and they might sell to make room for these youngsters coming up here. I wouldn't even be surprised if they sold both Mikel Franco and Tommy Joseph and Hellickson and just kind of got rid of the pieces that are not clicking very well. So P 
Pete McCannon is the other manager. So it's Clintech as the GM and then Pete McCannon right under him. Uh, basically say that Tommy Joseph and Reese Hoskins will never be on the same field together. They cannot play on the same team because they have not even considered moving one of them to left field like they did with Ryan Howard, or they've done it several times with players that are both first basemen. Usually your defensive skills are not top notch. And so the best place to move them would be over to left field. It's worked out before, but they basically said today that they haven't even considered it. I mean, that's how that's, that's pretty much what you're dealing with here with these two guys. They're the same type of player, both huge power, not obviously not very good at defense since neither of them can be moved. What do you think of uh, Reese Hoskins? When do you think he's going to get the call up? And do you think that the Phillies are going to move Tommy Joseph to get him up here, uh, Kyle, too? I definitely would uh, move Joseph. Uh, I, I think he's, he's, he's an okay player. I don't think he's really going to be – anything crazy good. Um, but this kid, uh, Hoskins, he's got some potential. I mean, he hit 38 home runs in 2016 in, in AA. So, I mean, that, that's some eye-popping power right there. Um, so I, w- I would think, I'm assuming that Philadelphia would be more apt to move him um, as of now. Not him. Uh, Joseph is one I would be talking about moving. Uh, if, Like you said earlier, they're, they're looking to – to move players, and, um, you know, he might be one that has the most value at this time next to Franco as well. Um, but Tommy Joseph, uh, he could bring a, a couple decent prospects in return if that's what the route they're looking to go for. And also, like you said, it gives this kid, uh, Hopkins, Hoskins, a little bit of a chance to come in and prove himself. He is 24 years old. Like you said, he's put his dues in in the minor leagues. It's time to give him a chance. And it's not like the Phillies are going anywhere anytime soon, so this is the this is the perfect time to do it. I'm sure we'll see him up. Uh, he, I would think he'll be a, a September call-up for sure. But if they make a trade uh, involving Joseph, I mean, obviously it's going to be much sooner than that. Yeah, what do you think, uh, Kyle, one? This is one of my least favorite things about having deep, deep minor minor league uh, affiliates just because you have so many different levels. So you do see guys that should get called up like Reese Hoskins. And I mean, at 24 years old, he's more than ready. I mean, he's playing uh, for team USA. And if you look at the numbers too, I mean, he's hitting over 300 on base over four, um, six on, over uh, 600. I mean, 18 home runs and 273 at bats. Not too bad. He's played triple a and yet, too, I mean, the fact of the matter is, when you have a guy that's a highly touted prospect like that, you don't want to call him up and just to give him periodic at-bats or pinch hit or have him sit on the bench. It's just not what hitters need to do. Hitters need to hit. So that's the reason why he's staying there. Again, Tommy Joseph, too, it's not like he's an ancient. He's not a dinosaur in this sport. He's not like a 35, 36-year-old. He's only 25 years old, too. No. So, I mean, if you can find a guy, if you can find a team, but that's the thing, too. He's a right-handed hitter. If Tommy Joseph was batting left-handed, I guarantee guys would call Philadelphia in a heartbeat to get a guy with some pop from the left-hand side. But the thing is, right-handed hitters are dime a dozen. He might have power, but he doesn't take a lot of walks. He can strike out at a decent clip, too. So, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of things you can do with Tommy Joseph. More than likely, I don't see him getting moved by the trade deadline. I mean, it's just an anomaly with the guy that's a right-handed hitter with some pops. So uh, maybe they move him in the off season. 
more than likely, I think we're going to see Hoskins in August or when the um, the rosters expand. So it, it, it's not fair to him. It sucks, but I mean, there's a lot of guys over there in Oakland like Renato Nunez that is going to be in the home run derby here for the, for the minor leagues, or he was. And, and uh, so I, I mean, it sucks, but I say maybe mid to late August in September until we see Hoskins. Yeah, I mean, so I should rephrase what I said. Like, it's punishment to him, you know, as far as what he wants to do. But I agree with you that no team, besides the Mets, of course, should bring up a player to just let him have part-time at-bats. You either bring him up and let him uh, have at-bats, or you leave him down there where he's getting and he's staying in shape and all of this. I tend to wonder, too, you're right about the fact that Tommy Joseph is not – he's not been in the majors that long. In fact, he just – made his major league debut last year so it's not like this guy's been around and he's you know they're just trying to get rid of him unload him on somebody or get get him you know get out of his contract I don't really know what his contract is I'm taking a look I don't see a contract is he in I don't see a contract for this guy that's interesting either way I'm looking at Rotowire usually they have the contracts uh 507,000 for this year so I mean he it's not like he He's not even making a million dollars at any point. So, I mean, he definitely has a solid contract, a cheap option. Yeah. um, But, like, for – I think that there probably are a couple teams out there that need a hitter, uh, a power hitter. But they usually, if they're in the National League, they have their – you know, their power hitter is at first base, and there's really not a lot you can do with them in the National League. So if he did get traded, he'd probably be traded to the American League. And even then, um, you know, they're going to replace Joseph with the same thing, basically, in Hoskins because they're kind of the same. They're really the the same player in a sense. They both hit for power, and that's that. Um, Scott Kingery is another guy on the Phillies. He is a second baseman, but they say his name is popping up right now because they say that he's taking um, ground balls at third base. Uh, the director of player development in Philly, though, says that the team is not trying to move him to third base. They just want to have somebody that ha- can be flexible in case they do want to call him up. So, obviously, they're thinking about calling this guy up. Now, I mean, there's not a ton. I don't know if there's a ton to like about him or not. He's hit last year or just this year in minor leagues, he's hit 18 at triple at double a, and then now he's at triple a, he's hit four more. So he's hit 22 home runs this season. That shows power. Um, are they willing to move Michael Franco? I don't know. It seems like Michael Franco is not really fitting in that well in Philly. He doesn't seem to be happy. I think he's a better player than what he's showing, but for some reason he's just not clicking in Philly. Scott Kingery. Now, the second base situation in Philly is also kind of up in, up in the air, but Cesar Hernandez is coming back. He's, they say he's going to be back like right after the trade deadline or right after the all-star break. So, and then Howie Kendrick too, who's on the DL, he's probably, he's on his way back after the all-star break too. So I don't really see a spot for this guy, especially unless, unless they trade Mikel Franco, I don't see this guy coming up. What do you think Kyle too? Uh, no, I don't think he's coming up either. Um, you know, there's a position that's kind of locked down there for him. Um, and he, he's kind of limited on where he could probably move. Um, it kind of doesn't make sense just to move a guy because you think you can bring him up at this point in time. 
Um, I mean, that's just not something you want to do. I mean, that could throw off the guy's um, the, the mojo that he's got going on right now. So, I mean, you, you make a change like that, and it really it doesn't just jeopardize their, their defense. It can have effects, obviously, on their offense because it's in their head. And um, if he's not a third baseman, then uh, don't force it. Leave him at second base and um, let him do his thing. And, and, and uh, it, time will work out, even if they want to trade Franco, um, whatever they want to do. Um, it, just don't rush it, whatever the move is. Yeah, he's he's only had 49 at bats at the AAA level, so this is not, he's not you know he started out in Double A. It's not like he spent you know the season in in last season in AAA and he's ready to come up. What do you think, Kyle? One, are you in agreement with us? No, I think you. The thing is, you're talking about a guy 23 years old. He was drafted in the second round of the 2015 draft. So. That being said, I mean, you, we talk, when I was talking last week, I said in the draft, I'm going after collegiately polished bats. That's what Kingery was. They drafted him that high for a reason coming out of college. He's ready now. You get him a call. Franco can't hit. I mean, he swing or miss. He can only hit one pitch, and that's fastball and mistake pitch. So that being said, I, I think you're going to see Franco shopped around. Kingery's going to get the call. I mean, he doesn't have to play second base. I mean, if you're playing second base, you have great hands to turn – double plays. Moving him over to third won't be a big deal. Uh, I mean, they already have J.P. Crawford in the, in the minor leagues as well, so I think Kingery's more than ready. And personally, I mean, when you're that great of a hitter, uh, I think the pitching you're going to see in double-A is going to be a hell of a lot better than you see in triple-A anyway. I mean, you got guys like Michael Kopech out there for the White Sox on 103 miles an hour, sitting there top five in strikeouts. So, I mean, Kingery's seeing great pitching. He's ready now. He doesn't have to necessarily go to triple-A. Yeah, he is there. Few at-bats, but the guy's ready. He's ready. You bring him up. You let him play. You you drafted him high. You gave him a solid siding bonus for uh, a reason. And I mean, now is his time. What about Nick Williams? He's another Philly. He was already brought up. Obviously, he's had uh, 28 at bats at the major league level. Uh, but he was moved up to third in the order yesterday after he sat on the bench a couple days, and then now he's batting fifth today. Um, he went two for four. He's actually hitting fairly well. I mean, in AAA this season, he hit 15 home runs and had 33 extra base hits. He also had 44 RBIs before getting called up and was hitting 280. Um, now at the major league level in 28 at-bats, he's hit, hitting 250. He hasn't hit any home runs, hasn't gotten any RBIs, but – I don't. It's kind of unclear what the Phillies plan on doing with him too, um, but for now he he slotted in at left field. What do you think of Nick Williams? Would you go out and pick him up, Kyle? Too. Um, you know he kind of scares me a little bit. Um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, the guy strikes out. Just looking at his <clears throat> minor league numbers here, he strikes out. A lot, and um, not a lot, but he, he strikes out at a high rate. And the only problem I have with that is he doesn't walk. So from a fantasy standpoint, it doesn't really equal itself out from a, a points league, like I said earlier in the in the show. Um, so he's, that kind of alarms me. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, he's got a little bit of pop, and um, you know he seems to play a pretty good um, defense in the outfield. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I'd be a little cautious just because of the, the strikeouts. But, you know, he could be a decent pickup right now if he gets some playing time with the, the Phillies. He could get hot, and uh, he could be one of those players that 
you know, helps you win a couple weeks in your fantasy league just because he gets he gets streaky and um, pitchers don't know how to pitch to him yet. So I mean, he could get he could be a a, a nice addition for any team for a couple weeks. Yeah, he was doing really good in Double A when he was working on cutting his strikeouts down and and walking a little bit more. You know, working on his play discipline. But when he hit Triple A, he his uh, walk rate dropped from 7.7% to 3.6%, and his strikeout rate went from 18.6% to 25.8%. So it doesn't, you know, that if you look at that, he wasn't very good at AAA. How is he going to be in the majors as far as striking out? Of course, like you said, too, pitchers haven't, they're not familiar with him, so he could get away with it for a little while. But do be prepared that he's probably going to strike out a bunch. Kyle, one, what do you think? Yeah, the good thing about guys like Nick Williams, you see that he's you know shown the ability to hit for power. Yeah, the strikeouts come. I get it because he, he yeah. I mean, it's all it's almost like minor league pitchers where they have to learn how to pitch once they get to the the majors. And uh, I mean, guys like Nick Williams have to learn how to hit. We've seen it with Kyle Schwarber with guys that will sit on a fastball and and you know drive it as far as they possibly can. So it's an adjustment period. But I think Nick Williams is in a great spot playing in Philly because of the fact. He's going to get the regular at-bats. And you got to remember, too, you have guys in your minor league system, but eventually you're going to get to the point where you have to see what they're going to be able to do at the major league level. So if they have an outfield spot like they did, they called up Nick Williams, you're going to give him time to play. I'd say keep an eye on him. Uh, most sites give you that option to add someone to your uh, your watch list, and why not? I mean, if you look at him, he's got – he has great size at 6'3", around 200 pounds. And the thing is, he can use his wheels a little bit, too. Uh, it's not that he's a, 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 a extremely fast runner. Uh, I think if he gets the shot where he knows he can get a good jump, he can. His arms, it's, it's about average at best. That's why he is playing out there in left field, too, at, at, at the majors. But uh, I'd say keep an eye on him. Who knows? I, I mean, you, we, we talk about waiver wire gems like I wrote about last year. Uh, last week, and if he can have a, a big impact in the second second half of the season, why not? If, if he say he can hit 10 home runs before it's all said and done this season, steal a few bases here and there and get some RBIs, and, and you're hurting for production, you can take a chance on him then. Yeah, well, I just hope that he scores some runs for my boy Aaron Nola, who I um, need to do well for the rest of the season. We're going to talk about one more player. And it's Chance Cisco for Baltimore. He's a catcher, 22 years old, played in the Futures game today. Just solid hitter all around. Like, um, I can't remember what they said in an article. They referred to him as one of the league's um, few, like, all-around true pure hitters in baseball. So he's not – this guy is not going to come out and get, like, a ton of home runs, and he's not like that. But he's going to – for a catcher, he – is going. I, I look forward to seeing him, especially if, because I own Wellington Castillo and he's just been crappy all season. And he's got he's three for his last thirty. He was benched today. You got Caleb Joseph as his backup over there. He's never been known to be an offensive catcher, and you know he goes through some streaks where he gets home runs and such. But he's you know last year he had more playing time because Matt Weeters was always hurt. But this year it's like Wellington Castillo comes back. He Caleb Joseph getting just sporadic. Um, at bats is not going to be good for any fantasy owner unless you're happy with the fact that he doesn't play because uh, catchers are so bad that sometimes it's better to have one that's not even in the game because they're not hurting you, okay? And sometimes that's what it comes down to. But with Chance Cisco, um, I think that he's, you know, he's he's gone 
pretty much through every level of the minor leagues. He's at AAA right now, played at AAA last year. He's had uh, 232 at-bats so far this season. Batting 276. I hope that he gets the call up. What do you guys think? Do you think he's going to get called up? Is he going to be fantasy relevant if he does get called up, considering the crappy situation with catchers this season? Or what do you think, Kyle, too? Yeah, you know, I, I think he might get the call up. I'm not real sure yet. Um, it, it, the Orioles are kind of, kind of just who knows what happened. I mean, they were hot there for a while. And then they hit a brick wall really, really hard. And uh, they might try to switch some things up by bringing this kid in. Um, for some reason, the catcher's position, I don't know what happened, and maybe it's just it's always been this bad, but it doesn't seem like it's been this bad for – I mean, catchers just can't hit. I mean, I don't know what happened, but they just a lot of them are <laughs> just not good hitters. Like, I, I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, obviously, and we've got two catchers that are great defensively, and Jan Gomes and Perez – but they just cannot hit. So I don't know what it is. Hopefully this kid can change that reputation. He doesn't have a lot of power, uh, which kind of stinks, but in the minors over, you know, his whole career, he's batted over, he's batted 316. Um, he's only got 21 career home runs in the minors, but, uh, you know, he can hit the, he can hit for a little bit of pop with some doubles. Um, but from the catcher's position anymore, you're just happy to have a guy that hits over 250, which is sad. Um, so hopefully he can change that <laughs> reputation. It is. It is. I mean, you've got pitchers now I that know, can. Right? Kyle, one. What do you think? Definitely. Uh, I, mean, I think that I'm like ahead a little bit. I don't. What's that? Yeah, you. I don't see how they could. I don't see how Baltimore yeah, could make a push. I, I mean, I don't see it happening, but I, I guarantee he's going to get the, his first. Uh, cup of coffee here once the rosters expand and I mean with that being said too in the off season if he shows something if he shows any sign that he's ready and can take over this team which I mean with the pitching staff that they have I mean it's not anything to write home about so I don't think he'll have a difficult time the only thing they'll probably have a difficult time is stopping the wild pitches from guys like Ibalda Jimenez but uh, if he shows the, the ability to be able to handle a pitching staff <laughs> and he keeps his keeps his uh, reputation, he's built as an on-base machine, I think they could easily uh, move on well he think could steal in the offseason and Cisco could take over as early as uh, next season. So he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, totally. He, um, I know that I read something about how he's worked really hard to become a very good defensive catcher. Now, I don't think that he's at that level yet, but he's definitely improved on his defense. So, you know, teams look at more than what we look at when we're fantasy owners. We're just trying to see what, whether they hit or not. But I think both Kyles are right in the fact that the catching situation is pretty dim. So any help, you know, in September would be great. And with that being said, hey, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. And Kyle, number two, it was excellent having you. And Kyle, number one, it's always a pleasure to do the show with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, always fun to be a part of this. So thank you for inviting me. No problem. I will be back hosting the show on July 30th. So uh, that's only a couple weeks away. And I very much look forward to it. And once again, I'd like to thank everybody. Thank you to our partners, Lenny Malik Fantasy Sports, RonChandler.com, and Real Deal Dynasty. Thanks again. And uh, feel free to donate. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Patreon account. 
by clicking on the little link up in the top right corner of MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Have a good night, everybody. It's time for Optimum's Red Hot Sale. Get 200 meg internet, TV with over 260 channels, and unlimited home phone, all for $69.99 a month for one year guaranteed. And for a limited time, HBO and Showtime are included for one year. Switch today. Click for details and special web-only offers. It's time for Optimum's Red Hot Sale. Get 200 meg internet, TV with over 260 channels, and unlimited home phone, all for $69.99 a month for one year guaranteed. And for a limited time, HBO and Showtime are included for one year. Switch today. Click for details and special web-only offers.